Perception, Perception is, is reality. Reality. <laughs> All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this 151st episode of Perception is Reality. And I, I've got to say, this is going to be a serious episode because of the nature of what we're talking about. But I, I have to let you in on a little pre-recording secret that just occurred. Uh, and I'm going to let you hear that here in just a moment. But generally what happens is when we start this process... Right when Amber and I connect and we start to uh, to start this process recording, I generally hit record straight away as I'm working on our levels, making sure that she is where she needs to be on the board, I'm where I need to be on the board, and, and that, that way that we are equal, so I'm not louder than her, she's not louder than me, or vice versa, and that we're both sounding as, as good as possible. Now, she does all right. It takes a little bit more work for me because I have... Uh, what they say, a face for radio and a voice for the silent pictures. Uh, so it always takes a little bit of work. But what I do is I start recording straight away. And then once we get the levels right on the master board, I'm then able to go back, delete that pre-recording banter and get that out of there. And then we start the show uh, as, as we would, and <laughs> uh, something happened, and I, I, I'm sure Amber is not going to be happy about this being uh, heard by everybody, but she'll be all right, uh, won't you? So here's the deal. Uh, I started to record, as I generally do to get the levels right, right in the middle of something crazy happening with Amber, and I want you, while you're listening to this, to try to see if you can decide what's happening. Happening, uh, and, and by the end, you, you'll know, but uh, listen to that. And then we're going to get started. Here is cut number one. <gasps> no, I don't know what to do. Like, he's just carrying it around. Oh, hell. Hey. Oh, nope, it's not dead. It's just, oh, no. Oh, fuck this. Steve, <sighs> leave him alone. Let him kill it. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to the oh dog my God. with the cat, which made the cat drop it, and it ran Is this under a nursery rhyme? Probe. It ran under what? Yeah. It ran under the stove. I know there is no, there's no place for it to go. I know that. So it is, it's under my stove right now. I know it is. Oh my God. I'm going to pull this drawer out and I swear to God, if a mouse runs over my foot. Oh, I need like a stick. Do you like mice? Do I? Yeah. I mean, I don't like them, but I, but I don't not like them. I, I just don't think about them. I guarantee you this fucker is in my house because it's snowing in mid-April. Oh uh, yeah. He should be outside. Yeah. Living you know, the mouse life. Yeah. Oh, fuck this. <laughs> Sorry. Are you better? Can we get started? Yeah. Well, there you go. Just before starting, as we were getting the levels ready, of course, Amber dealing with a mouse. Glad everything is now taken care of and we can get down to work. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 151st episode of Perception is Reality, and we're going to be talking about a really serious issue that is facing the nation, that's been facing the nation, and that we're currently uh, just in the beginning stages of talking about. Obviously, like all of you, our eyes have been focused on what's been occurring in Minnesota over the last couple of weeks and really the last year. 
what am I talking about? Obviously, I'm talking about the state of Minnesota versus uh, Derek Michael Chauvin. He is the former police officer charged with killing George Floyd. The jury came back just a few hours ago as of the recording of this episode. We're recording this episode uh, just about 9 p.m. on Tuesday, April 20th, 2020, just to give you a point in reference, depending on whenever you could be listening to this. So we all heard the charges uh, at about 5.30 Indiana time, 5.30 p.m., when the judge brought everyone back in after the jury had notified them that they had a uh, verdict on all three counts. And those three counts that the former police officer was charged with are unintentional murder in the second degree while committing a felony third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. And, of course, he was found guilty on all three counts. He was taken immediately into custody, and the sentencing phase will be left up to the judge. He waived his right to have the jury or the judge uh, make the determination he stated he wanted the judge to. And that will be determined in about eight weeks' time. So the judge will be reviewing all the facts of the case. Of course, he knows them fairly well. He'll be looking at all of the arguments that each side will make in the next couple coming weeks. And we will hear what Chauvin will be sentenced with in about eight weeks' time. He will spend all of that time waiting behind bars. And everybody kind of breathed a sigh of relief. Everyone in the uh, black community, everyone in all other communities made up of people of color, people in the law enforcement communities, I think everyone looked at this and thought, you know, thank God, because we were all kind of waiting to see, you know, the judicial system is not perfect. So even though there was the video that we all saw and we've all become very familiar with, uh, you know, points of law and what happens when attorneys are talking and how individuals are charged and what it takes to meet certain criteria, you know, everything that goes into that, we have to think at the end of the day, the jury is made up of people and people have their own biases. Uh, you know, we're going to be talking about that a lot. We're going to be talking about possibility of racism, and that's been a big, big, big word. And um, you know, is something that we need to deal with, and we need to try to, you know, come to some kind of understanding. Of course, there's been the big push to understand. Uh, the difference between individual racism and a systematic racism. And so we're going to be talking about all of this. We're going to be talking about the trial. We're going to be talking about other cases. And please understand this. Before we get into this, I want you to understand that Amber is just a woman living in Indiana. She is a mother. She's a wife. Uh, She is a business owner. 
Uh, I am a man living in Indiana. We all have our life experiences. We're both white, okay? So, uh, you know, obviously for the people who know us, uh, you know, we're both white. For the people who don't know us, we're, we're both white. You know, I'm not going to pretend that I know something that I don't. Um, we're just having a conversation. And the way I look about this might not be right. I, I'm going to say I understand and I will say ahead of time. I am not saying that my thoughts or my feelings are the right way to look at this. I am saying I am willing to do the work to understand my fellow man and, and, and woman, be it someone of my same race, my same sex, or of a different race or sex or ethnicity or standing in life. I am somebody who wants to treat people with dignity, and I want others to treat me with dignity. I feel like Amber wants the same, and, and I, I just want to be a voice in this conversation, and I feel like we all need to come to the table, uh, and, and I'm saying, I, I'm not telling you that I have all the answers. I certainly do not. Matter of fact, I have more questions, and, and I'm, I'm ignorant in this department more than most, I would say. Uh, so I'm not saying that this is the end-all be-all. And of course, we're not going to be able to cover everything that we want in this episode. There's there's so much to cover here, and there's so much to look at. I mean, we could, we could spend an entire season talking about just specific aspects of this case alone, not to mention everything in general. So we're just going to have a, a kind of a free-for-all talk and see where this goes, and we want you to come along with us. Please, if you hear anything in this podcast that you agree with or disagree with, let us know. You can email the show at khbilbury at gmail.com. Again, that's khbilbury. B-I-L-B-R-E-Y at gmail.com. Let us know if you want to come on the show and talk, if you want to come on and agree or disagree, if you have a varying uh, point of view, you are more than welcome to come on the show and talk with us. We would love for you to do that, so please keep that in mind. If you can, share the show with everyone you know. We want as many people to hear this as possible. We want people to be a part of the conversation, and we want to be a part of the conversation. So remind your folks out there that don't listen that we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. They can look for us by typing in the full name, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbury, or they can go to Google and simply enter in Bilbury Podcast. Again, that's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. And also, don't forget to look us up on Facebook at Christopher H. Bilbury on Facebook or facebook.com forward slash Bilbury318. All right, before we get into this, I do want to take a quick break because I know we're going to get into the thick of it and I'm going to forget again. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will get into dissecting our thoughts, feelings, and asking questions and talking about what is currently captivating literally everybody in America and others around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the 151st episode of Perception is Reality. She's Amber. I'm Chris. And we'll be right back. What can 
give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states and must consumer access number 33. And now, perception is reality. All right, welcome back, everybody. Let's get to work. As I said before the break, I kind of look at this as almost a trial of the century. Of course, we are talking about the state of Minnesota versus Derek Chauvin. That is the police officer who is now guilty of three counts of varying degrees of murder or manslaughter in the death of George Floyd, an unarmed black man who he came in contact with while on duty as a police officer. And uh, we now know that the jury has found Derek Chauvin, the former police officer, guilty. It will be about eight weeks until sentencing occurs. But we want to take a look at this verdict, what it means, and what it means for where we are in the world where America is and what the temperature of everything is because, let's face it, we are really uh, in a divided country. And I don't want to say that this is what's caused the division. We, we were divided well before this. And I'll get into my thoughts on whether or not this divided the country further. I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. But we are all... At, at like a level 12 on a scale of 1 to 10. You know, we've, we've all really, really amped it up and everybody seems to be at each other's throats and everybody's just waiting for the next thing to pop off. And I'm trying to figure out how we can come together and cool things down, how we can have a better approach when dealing with all of this. And what we have to do is be able to take a look at what's going on here, what has been occurring, and have a conversation about it and, and try to see where we want to go from here. And I want to do that with all of you and with my co-host Amber, of course. So I think the first thing that I want to do is just go over a little bit of a timeline of the events that led up to Mr. Floyd's death. Shortly after 8 p.m. on May 26th, 2020, the Minneapolis, Minnesota Police Department received a dispatch of a black man trying to pass a counterfeit $20 bill to purchase cigarettes at the Cup Foods convenience store in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And two police officers, Officer Lane and Officer King, responded and made contact with a subject later identified as George Floyd. Mr. Floyd was sitting in a vehicle nearby with two passengers, and there was a little bit of communication between the two officers and Mr. Floyd. At some point, Mr. Floyd was either not doing as the officers were directing him, he wasn't understanding what they were asking, or something occurred because one of the officers actually pulled his gun 
from his holster and ordered Mr. Floyd to put his hands on his steering wheel. George Floyd complied with that, and the officer holstered his weapon. And at that point, they then ordered him out of the vehicle, and they pulled him out because he wouldn't come. Uh, But he really wasn't resisting. He wasn't fighting. He wasn't throwing elbows or punches. He just really was not really moving when they asked him to. They handcuffed him, and at that time, Mr. Floyd was calm, but he just seemed to be a little upset. Obviously, he's in handcuffs, okay? And at some point, when they're starting to walk him to the vehicle, he at some point ends up on the ground and he's upset. He doesn't want to go. He's asking them why they're doing him the way they're doing him. And the body cameras pick up all of this. At 8.14 p.m., the officers walk Mr. Floyd to their vehicle to place them in the squad car to take him to jail. And at that time, Mr. Floyd stiffens up. He falls to the ground again. He tells them that he doesn't want to go inside the vehicle. He tells them that he's not resisting, but that he does not and will not get in the back seat because he was claustrophobic. And from there, they're kind of telling him to stop. They're telling him to stop fighting, to get up. But again, he's handcuffed behind the back. He's not elbowing. He's not kicking. He's not biting. And other than breathing hard and saying how claustrophobic he is, again, he's not really putting up any kind of a fight. At some point there shortly after, Officer Chauvin and another officer arrive in the same police vehicle, and they're there to help the other two officers. They walk up and they help try to get Floyd to go to the police car. They're trying to get him there in the SUV and they have the back passenger door open and they're trying to shove him into the vehicle kind of like ass first. And George Floyd is stating repeatedly that he could not breathe, that he's claustrophobic. He's saying, I am not fighting. I'm not, I'm not resisting. Let's play cut number two. Stay with I me, will. Man. I will. Please stay with me, man. Thank you. God, man. I didn't know all this was going to happen, man. Please, man. I just want my hands free. I don't do nothing, y'all, man. Nothing. Hey, you got that inside in your pocket real quick on your side? Hey, hey, I'm, 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 I'm listening. And I understand that, 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 that people do stuff. It's, and, 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 and y'all don't know me. So he's not fighting here, okay? All he's doing is kind of begging them and like crying. They have his hands handcuffed behind his back and they are walking him towards the open police car. I'm going in. I'm gonna go no, in. you're not. You gotta go in. Take a seat. Grab a seat, man. Why y'all don't believe me? Take a seat. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not that kind of guy, man. Take a seat. Y'all, I'm gonna die here. Take a seat. I'm gonna die, man. You need to take a seat right yeah. now. And I just had COVID, man. I don't want to go back to that. Take hey, a seat. Don't roll the windows no. down. Hey, now, what's what's always struck me here is they have the door open and they have him pushed against the open area of the car. So on his right side, he's against the door, so he can't run that way. And they now have two or three officers stacked up 
on the opposite side of that, so he can't go anywhere. And I've always wondered what would have happened if they would have just disengaged for a moment. If all they would have done is stepped back, let him got his breath, kind of set with his ass against the seat with his feet on the ground. It wasn't like he was doing anything crazy. He wasn't even screaming. He's not cussing. You can tell he seems distressed here. So the fact that they continue to push on him, like trying to jam a, a man into the back seat of a car with his hands behind his back, and George was a taller guy, okay? So I can see how this is distressing. I've been in situations similar to this as a police officer trying to put a suspect handcuffed in the back of the car that didn't want to go, and you're going to get a, a, a better compliance if you're able to help calm them down. A lot of times, you'll let them smoke a cigarette at this point if they're being cool with you or whatever because they, they think it's like their last cigarette before they go to jail or whatever. So I, I don't really understand why they wouldn't have disengaged and try to let him calm down in, in hopes that they could receive more compliance. But instead, they just keep manhandling him here. Dang, man. Listen. I'm not that kind of guy. I'll roll the windows down Please, and put your legs in, all right? I'll put the air on. Look at that. Look at look, this. You're not even listening. Look, look at it. Look at it. We can fix look. it, but not while you're standing out okay, here. man. God, y'all do me bad, man. Man, I don't, don't want to try to win. I don't want to try to win. win. Now, I don't want to win. I, I'm claustrophobic. I'm claustrophobic. I got anxiety. I don't want to do nothing to them. Man, I'm scared as fuck, man. Okay. You made a mistake. Somebody else. When I start breathing, when I breathing, it's gonna go off on me. Right now, he's sitting against the seat. They have his ass in in the car. I'm not trying to win. I'm not trying to win. I'll get on the ground. Anything. I get in the car. He know it. He know it too, Mister Officer. Y'all hear me? Don't do me like that, man. In the car. Okay, can I talk to you, please? So now, one of the officers has walked around the opposite end of the car, and they've opened the other door, the passenger side back door. They've opened. I heard a commentator say that George Floyd then... He, he pushed out the other side and shot out the other door, and that's not true. They pushed him into the car. He was kind of laying in the back seat, and because he couldn't get set up there the way they wanted him to, they actually pulled him through the other side of the door. He was in the car. I don't understand what they were doing when they pulled him out, but they actually pulled him out, and, and we'll listen to that here in just a moment. But from there, you know, again, I just don't understand why they didn't disengage and try to calm him down at that point. And real quick, I want to say here, I, I'm not a fan of Monday morning quarterbacking the police. I didn't like that when I was a police officer and folks would do that to us. And so I'm, I'm not a fan of doing that. However, it's pretty clear to me that they simply could have disengaged here and they would have been safe the suspect would have been safe and everyone in the public would have been safe. They had the man in handcuffs. 
They had him in handcuffs. They had him trapped in the little part of the door there where he couldn't have got away. They could have simply disengaged. And so before we get into the point where they are uh, dealing with him on the other side of the car where they are actually on his body, I, I'm looking for your point of view on this, Amber, and and you know using all of your knowledge. And you know, I understand you're married to a police officer and you have various views on police actions and so I understand all of that's going to come into this but you know what are your thoughts on what you've seen here I think almost anyone law enforcement or not will agree with what you're saying right it's it's obvious um, that at some point he was restrained and no longer posing a threat or an issue. So I think nearly every other officer that I've talked to or that I've seen post on this or heard say something about it has said there was no need to continue with the use of force. Right. Absolutely. Look, I, I definitely don't agree with the use of force, but even before the use of force, when, because I look at the use of force being when they're physically on his body on the other side of the car, but I'm even talking before that when they're just walking him to the car and he's saying, please, I don't want to go in there. I'm claustrophobic and, and all of this. I mean, look, uh, people say all sorts of things when they're being arrested, and I understand that because, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. But when you see somebody who's physically in distress as he was, and he was, he's a grown ass man. And he was like crying and upset. You could see he wasn't being violent. He wasn't like, oh man, F you and, and screw you. Why are you doing this? He was saying, please don't do me like this. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not resisting. He kept saying that over and over and over. And the fact that they couldn't just come up off of his body a little bit, give him some room there on the other side of the door just to let him calm down, that would have played into this so much better, in my opinion, even before you get to the use of force, because I agree the use of force was completely uh, out of line. And I'll say this, th this is another thing that people don't realize. I don't know if people think about this or not, but... 98% of the people, if you say, hey, you're under arrest, they turn around and put their hands behind their back. They're not going to fight you. 98% of people will say, okay, and they, they do it, and they comply, and that's it, and that's that. There are people who will fight you. There are people who will run, and there are people that hate cops to the needle. And what I mean by that is they're willing to go to the death penalty to kill a cop. There are people that do that. But the majority of people will comply, and I didn't see him not complying here. They had him in handcuffs, all right? They had him in handcuffs, which is most of the battle. They had him at the car, which is most of the battle. Just come up off of him and quit pushing him like you're taking a plunger and trying to push him into the back of this car. It, it was It's obscene when, when you look at what's going on and listen to what is going on and, and think about how ridiculous these actions occurred even before they're on top of him.
So they sit and do that for a bit, and you heard what he had to say. At some point, they actually get him in the car, and he's in the car in a weird way. He's, like, not sitting up. He's kind of hanging out at this time both sides. And instead of closing the doors up and letting him lay in there or, again, giving him a second before trying to get him to set up, they then are trying to work on him and pulling him out the other side because they had decided they wanted to put leg shackles on him. And I want to say again for the record, he did not, quote-unquote, shoot out the other side of the car. They pulled him out, which, in my opinion, is the absolute most ignorant decision because he was where you wanted him to be. Why do you want to now fight him again, trying to get him back in? Because just because you're putting him in leg shackles doesn't mean it's going to be any easier to get him back in. They should never have taken him out the other side of the car because then they do. They've got him pinned on the ground and against the passenger side back tire. At that point, you have three police officers who are kneeling on his body. You have one police officer that's on his lower back. You have a police officer to the left of that officer who's on his upper back. And then you have Officer Derek Chauvin who is kneeling with his knees on his upper back and his neck. And I think that's horrible. The first time I saw even the first couple seconds of that video, I was like, God, that looks horrible. I would never be in that position in a use of force scenario. That just seemed so ignorant. I know they've talked about whether or not it's actually a uh, use of force that's okay or not okay. That's stupid. You never get on somebody's neck. I don't know how many times I've heard my mother say that when I was a child playing with my younger brother. Don't get on his neck. You will kill him. You will suffocate him. I, You know, the fact that these trained police officers don't realize that is absolutely ignorant. And I'll tell you what's extremely sad about all of this is one of the police officers there who was new on the job actually brings up excited delirium, which is something that can happen in situations like this. And it, it leads to uh, the suspects possibly having a little bit extra strength than what they normally would but it also tends to lead to deaths while police have a suspect in custody and are in this situation. And so uh, one of the junior officers on the scene actually says something to the effect of, should we roll him to the side? And, and Officer Chauvin says, no, something to the effect of, just you know, stay where you are. We'll listen to that in this next cut. <laughs> Should we roll him on his side? Stay put. Leave him where we've got him. I just worry about the set of delirium or whatever. I'm just worried about excited delirium or whatever. Let's listen to this again. Roll on the side. I just worry about the set of delirium or whatever. For the record, it was Derek Chauvin who was telling the cop asking the questions to stay put. And of course, Derek Chauvin had his knee on the back of his neck. 
and before this time, while he's pinned against the tire and the ground, and then after this point, he's, you know, yelling for his mama, which there's some discrepancy on whether or not that was actually his mother or his girlfriend. He's saying that he can't breathe. He's saying, tell my kids I love them, I'm dead, and the police officers are asking him what he's on and are, are communicating with other bystanders that are in the area kind of uh, talking with them and then just like that you can see Mr. Floyd's body kind of go limp and from that point forward he makes no other sound and it's 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 heartbreaking so Amber let me ask you when this first happened what was your initial response after seeing the video Derek Chauvin's a douche my very first response was this guy is the bad guy that they've been saying all of the other justified shooters yep. are. Yep. Yep. This is the guy that you should have been worried about with Michael Brown. And, you know, I mean, there's a laundry list of them. That's the guy you should have been worried about. Somebody like him who probably became a cop because he was a fucking nobody in high school. Yeah. And, thought I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a cop and I'm going to have a badge and I'm going to have a gun and ain't nobody going to be able to tell me nothing. Yeah. He should have, he should have never been an officer. And you know, when it, when it first came out, when it first made national news, there was a couple, what, three or four days before the rioting and stuff started happening anywhere other than Minneapolis. It was kind of like a ripple. It yep. started in Minneapolis and then cities, you know, closer to Minneapolis until it eventually, you know, rippled through yep. the entire country. I mean, every, I can remember there were quite a few Muncie officers retiring at that time. Yep. And I remember many of them posting, I'm glad I'm getting out now because this bad guy, and if you're a good cop, you call him a bad guy. This bad guy is, is the pin that's been waiting to fall. Absolutely it has been. And, I, you know, one of the things that really has irked me about this is for the last year, they've talked about how this has been the case. This has been the situation. Derek Chauvin has been the cop. George Floyd has been the, the victim that has divided the country. And I say to that, bullshit, bullshit. This has not been a case or a situation that has divided divided the country because we all agree. I don't know anybody that has looked at that video who has said, yep, I think what they did to him was fantastic. They should have continued doing it to him. Everybody that has looked at that, that has had any common sense, that has had any kind of heart, any kind of feeling about them, that is anything other than a sociopath, a crazy person, uh, some, somebody that's just completely out there for shock, has been able to say, this is a problem. We were not divided over this. We very much all agreed that what we saw in that video was absolutely fucking wrong that's what makes me mad like even tonight just scrolling through social media i've seen so many people if you disagree with this verdict go ahead and delete yourself now how can how can i be friends with any woman 
and why does it have to be a male female thing? I'm yeah, not right. sure. What? But yeah. how can I be how can I be friends with any woman that supports this man? And I'm like, you're literally fighting with yourself. Clearly, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to be labeling, but those people are liberals. And I'm like, I've got liberals and conservatives and everything in between on my news feed tonight. And I have not yet seen one person say, ah, shit, they said he was guilty. That is the division right there is starting the statement on the defensive. And even all the comments on these people's posts. Oh, I'm so glad he was guilty too. How can anyone support this? Show me where you see someone supporting it other than some fucking troll on WTHR's comments. Right. Well, I mean, let's let's not be stupid here. Obviously, there are racist people out there, and obviously racism is an issue. And I'll go as far to say uh, say systemic racism, I believe, is an issue in, in in various aspects of life. And we need to be able to have a conversation about that, and we need to be able to overturn that and change that and get to a situation where we love and respect all human beings in the same manner. And, and and we don't have to worry about this. But the conversation has to start. And I'll be honest, I have gotten trouble by people that I love and care about because I said that I thought this would be the one where we started the conversation. And the response I always get from them is, well, why, why was this the one? Why wasn't it the five others before this or, or this situation or that situation, you know, what makes this the one and doesn't that sound bad? You know, what was, what was wrong with all of those other situations? Why did this have to be a thing at all? And I can understand where they're coming from on that. And I just, I say it's because of how I look at politics and, and maybe that's the thing that those people are going to say, well, that's because of your white privilege or the systemic race racism part of this all I get I get where they're coming from I'm willing to have a conversation I'm willing to say that I am not right or or that I don't have all of the answers but I just have to say look I agreed that this was wrong it was very distasteful to me and I believe that many many others most people felt the same way that I did about this and I agreed with the protests. I agreed with having the conversation. I agreed with being upset. And, and I can get behind some political theatrics. We've talked about this on here in various other episodes. I can get behind political theatrics. I can get behind a little civil disobedience and doing things that, that push up against the boundaries. But where I started to have issues was with burning down property of just private individuals that had nothing to do with this. Look, the founding fathers in all of our documents stated, looks, maybe this has to be turned over. And there's various points. Thomas Jefferson said that this country needed a revolution every 10 to 12 years. And uh, maybe, maybe that's what has to happen. But I don't understand wrecking private property of, of just 
private citizens who have nothing to do with what's happening and more than likely stand with these people in their cause, but yet their whole uh, life's work is ruined because these people are upset, rightfully so. I just want to know, like, I respect I respect the people protesting, and I look at them and say, they can change people's minds if they come to the table, and we can have that talk. And if there are people that are not willing to have that talk with the people that feel hurt, with the people of color, with the Black Lives Matter, uh, the people, not the organization, because I'm not a fan of the organization, but the people who who buy into that, and I will say Black Lives Matter, I have no problem saying that. If there are politicians that won't come to the table and have conversations, then let's get rid of those politicians. But the burning down of the property and the total destruction is where I, I'm not saying that I'm right, but I, I have to question it. I have to really question what's going on there. Even more so when it's not people from the community who's doing it, but when it is people from political parties in California and New York who are flying and driving to Minnesota to then burn everything down to the ground and, and use this as a political ploy. Because I have to ask, are these people really concerned or are they, again, stepping on these people, on these people's backs and holding them down because they're simply using this as a political ploy? Because if that's the case, I find that just as disgusting that that would be happening. And that is what a lot of people see, feel, and think. And that is what causes a divide and further widens the divide. Divide. So here, I'm going to get even more specific about where the divide is. The biggest divide in this country right now is not black or white. It's not blue or white. It's not blue or black. It is those that believe in holding people accountable for their actions and those who do not. That's all it is because I don't believe for a second that you deserve to die because you were resisting, you know, nonviolently resisting sure. arrest. I don't believe that you deserve to die because you were an addict. I don't believe you deserve to die because you were slinging fake money. But I also don't believe that you have the right to go into your city or your town and burn down other people's businesses and property because you're mad about the, those things happening. And that's what I so many yeah. people don't understand. They, they want to say, oh, well, those weren't riots. They were protests. Um, bullshit. Have you looked at downtown Indianapolis in the last 12 months? Indianapolis has been changed for quite some time, I believe. And so how did the Indianapolis protest help advance this conversation? How did that help advance the ball forward? I mean, that Indianapolis protest and many others served like no I, purpose. I completely understand taking up for a cause that you believe in. I do not and never will understand taking up for Black Lives Matter because it is not a cause other than to make its founders rich. FYI, my opinion will not change about that as the organization just the words yes sure. standing up for that organization absolutely not but the the argument that 
I mean, pick any city. You could you could put a, a whole put a city on a post-it note and tumble it around in one of those lottery things and pick a city out. Yeah. And you can say that was a riot. Buildings were burned, stores were looted, vehicles yeah. were set on fire, people were hurt, and you still will have these idiots saying those weren't riots they were protests um no i'm sorry like we're you can be mad but we're not changing the fucking english language well it's not changing the english language it's just a form of double speak which george orwell talked about in his book 1984 and i'm going to tell you folks if you don't recall that from high school or from college and and you haven't read it in a while or maybe you skipped through that in high school you might want to check that out on audiobook and listen to it because it's like Along with the book of Revelation, it's a playbook of what we are currently dealing with now in the world as of April 2021. And real quick, getting back to the Derek Chauvin murder trial, he was he was charged with three individual charges. The unintended second degree murder while committing a felony third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. He was found guilty of all three of those in quick order, and we all agreed. But the first thing that I started seeing folks posting on social media was, this is not justice, this is accountability. And I take a little bit of issue with that, because look, I get it. George Floyd shouldn't need justice. He should still be alive. But things happen, and, and it happens to everybody, all walks of life, all genders, all races, all sexes. It's just part of human nature, and then we have to deal with that. And then the legal justice system doesn't provide you complete justice. It tries to dole out as much justice as it can. There are various functions, but I, I just don't understand why the first thing that someone would say would be, this isn't justice. This is accountability. I guess I just don't understand separating those two words. And I do believe this was justice. And I do why believe are those it is accountability. Things, why are those two things separate? Yeah, I don't know. Right. Uh, I, I don't understand. I believe it's justice, a certain amount of justice. And I do believe it's accountability, a certain amount of accountability. And then we have the conversation from here moving forward, hoping that we can stop this and have the conversation about systematic racism and, and, and do all of that. But we got to deal with this problem and try to move the ball forward advancing so we don't have this issue in the future other other than going back to may 25th and those other three officers manhandling Chauvin and physically getting him off of george floyd or you know stopping him from ever getting on him in the first place other than that happening where did this case lack accountability we obviously have not gotten to sentencing yet. Sentencing is eight weeks away, so we can't we can't speak to that. But I mean, up until what was it like five fifteen Eastern Standard Time, four fifteen in Minneapolis today? Where was justice not served? Because justice, no matter who you are, no matter what crime has been committed against you, justice cannot undo the crime. Period. I don't care if it's murder. I don't care if it's rape. I don't care if it's deceit. I don't care if it's theft. I, I mean, anything. 
justice is not an undoing. Amber, that is a really good point, and that is something that prosecutors and the prosecutors' staff and various investigators will tell victims and the families of victims and witnesses in cases all the time, that this is not something that's going to make you whole again. It's not something that's going to take away what happened, and and that's all part of what goes on in the criminal justice system. And a lot of times the criminal justice system will re-victimize victims and their families and the witnesses because it's not really about the victim at that point because the victim is not the star of the show. The victim is not the main focal point. It's the defendant that is, and it is the state, the prosecutor, trying to push the case against that defendant, and and the victim and witnesses are just witnesses in the case. The prosecution is not the attorney for a victim. They're not necessarily representing the victim. The victim in that case, or the victim's families, are just simply witnesses in the case at that point. All right, this feels like a good place for a second break. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the very serious 151st episode of Perception is Reality. We'll be right back after this quick break. <gasps> no, I don't know what to do. Like, he's just carrying it around. Oh, hell. Hey. Oh, nope, it's not dead. It's just, oh, no. Oh, <sighs> oh, no. Oh, <sighs> Friends, are you tired of mousing with mice? If so, come on down to Mickey's Mousetraps. Friends, are you looking for that great cup of coffee to get you started in the morning? Then I'm telling you, you need to check out the folks at Fruit of the Bean Coffee at fruitofthebeancoffee.com. Look, folks, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a coffee drinker, but producers Kate and Niles, they are, and they got some of this coffee from fruitofthebeancoffee.com, and it's magnificent. They open that coffee up, and it just wafts out into the air, and I I tell you, the smell alone is able to just do the job, wake you up in the morning, get you ready to go, and give you what you need. I'm not a big coffee drinker myself, but for the folks out there that are, and I know that there are you folks that are big coffee drinkers, quit going down to the place with the green awning and spending all of your money there, because you can instead... Go to fruitofthebeancoffee.com and buy the best coffee in the world that will do the job and you can feel comfortable in knowing that a part of those proceeds will go to a great cause because the people at Fruit of the Bean Coffee like to give portions of their proceeds to stop sex trafficking and human trafficking around the world, which is a major problem in today's age. So my friends, check out Fruit of the Bean coffee at fruitofthebeancoffee.com enter promo code perception for 25% off today perception 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 is is reality reality alright folks we are back and you're listening to the 151st episode of perception is reality I'm calling it guilty now what we are talking Amber and I about the Derek Chauvin murder trial 
It wrapped up today with the jury handing down three guilty verdicts on all three charges that the man was charged with. And we're talking about it, but it is also opening up the door to other conversations about other use of force issues with police and members of the black community or other people of color. And it it all kind of ties in, or at least the media wants that to happen. At least there are members of, I think, both political parties that want to use things like this for a political crutch to lean on to help keep everyone at odds, and all it does is further divide us. That's the divide, as we've said here. Not this case, not the public's opinion. There's not a whole bunch of us out here saying, hey, what happened to George Floyd was fantastic. Nobody out here is saying, what happened to Michael Brown was fantastic. Okay? Even if it is a bad guy, that is killed by the police. That is a tragic situation. I understand that. There are probably some that don't or some that say various things. I don't know. But look, I did the job. And I always said at the end of the day, I was going to go home. And if that meant I had to stop the threat, put someone else down so that I could go home, by God, I was going to do that. But I never wanted to kill somebody. I never wanted to do that. I'm not a police officer now, and if I needed to defend myself or defend somebody else, I would do just the same. So when a police officer has to make a decision to do something like that, it is tough. It oftentimes messes with them for years and years after the fact. They have to have counseling, and and it, a lot of times it will lead to divorce. It leads to substance abuse issues, and and a lot of times it will lo- lead to other issues. A lot of times, and, and people don't really understand this, when a police officer uses deadly force in the line of duty, that officer now stands a higher chance of being killed in the line of duty because they understand the scrutiny that they went through on the first time, and it sometimes makes them second guess whether or not they should act in that manner if, God forbid, they're put in that situation again. But look, I am certainly not trying to say that racism and issues dealing with racism do not exist. I'm not even saying that there's not a level of systematic racism across various aspects of law, of cr- the criminal justice system, of the the e- economic situation, of the political situation, of housing. You know, I understand that this nation has a history, and there are great things in that history, and there are some not-so-great things in that history. What I try to focus on trying to do, or believe that we should, and, and I want everyone to be a part of that conversation, is coming forward and looking at how we can get to tomorrow together without tearing each other apart while doing it. Look, I understand that there are minority communities that feel like we are not remembering names of individuals who they feel somehow 
got the raw end of the deal in a police encounter or an encounter with a citizen and the legal justice system overlooked them somehow and and didn't conduct themselves accordingly and i'm not i'm not saying that that doesn't happen i'm just saying when these lists are put together and they throw in a bunch of these names a lot of the names, I, I get it, they go together, and there is an issue. But some of them don't go together. There is this thing that I've been seeing here in the last couple days where they they kind of read down through this narrative, and it plugs in a bunch of names of folks that have been killed by police or, or like, for example, the other one is Trayvon Martin, who was not killed by a police officer, but that they say that the criminal justice system overlooked. And so they throw some of these names together. Oscar Grant, Karen Nazario, Philandro Castile, Sandra Bland, Jordan Davis, Rayshard Brooks, uh, Clementa Pickney, Corey Jones, Elijah McCain, Tamara Rice, Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, Stefan Clark, Botham Jean, um, John Crawford, Ahmad Aubrey, uh, Tyshot Rent Oates, Christian Cooper, uh, Brianna Taylor, and then of course George Floyd. And look, I, I understand we can have a conversation about each and every one of these people. But when we do, we have to have the appropriate conversation because while George Floyd was something that should not have occurred, Mike Brown's situation is something that we have to have a talk about because Mike Brown's situation was not like George Floyd's. All right? What went on in Mike Brown's situation was different. And look, I, I can't say that if I strapped my bulletproof vest on and my gun and my badge that I wouldn't have done the same thing in the Mike Brown situation. I would not have done the same thing with George Floyd. I would not have done the same thing with Breonna Taylor, okay? I don't know what would have happened with Mike Brown. I think I would have done the same thing. And so we have to be very careful not to mix up situations and just say, okay, every situation that involves a person of color, a minority, is a... is a. It, let's stop. Every situation where a person is killed because of some act is a terrible situation. It's a tragedy, and they all shouldn't happen. I, I will say that. Every shooting shouldn't happen like this because I wish there was a better way to handle everything. But sometimes that just doesn't happen. And when things get to a certain point, things happen. And so we just have to understand that not everything goes in the same category. I think I think we have to we have to be willing to understand and willing to to at least have that communication as well. We also need to be really honest with ourselves and understand that sometimes actions occur 
and police officers have to make a decision to use what could possibly be deadly force on an individual who does not have a weapon in their hand, and that is not necessarily a, a oh, this guy's killing this person, and it's a horrible situ situation, and this cop should be uh, fired and thrown in prison and get the death penalty. No, no, no. Look, the Mike Brown situation is a perfect example of this. In the Mike Brown situation, there was a report of a theft, a possible theft. We don't really know if he ended up stealing the cigars or not, but at least there was a perception that he did, so a call was made to dispatch. The police officer cannot help what somebody else thinks. They are there to uphold the laws of the community, and when they answer a call for service, that's simply what they are doing. Okay, Mike Brown was 18 at the time. It sucks that he was 18. 18's only a year away from being 17. It's only three years away from being 15. Okay, if if Mike Brown was 15 and the same thing happened, it would have been a tragedy. But it still, in my opinion, would have been the thing that that possibly could have had to have happened because of the scenario. The police officer makes contact with Mike Brown. Mike Brown immediately starts mouthing him. Maybe he was scared. He probably was scared. Maybe he was nervous. He probably was nervous. But whatever occurred, whatever anybody was feeling, that situation led to Mike Brown physically attacking Darren Wilson, the police officer, and at one point breaking his orbital socket, the bone around his eye. Now look, when I was a police officer, I always had the frame of mind that if you were willing to hit me, you were willing to hurt me. If you were willing to hit me and hurt me, you that's just a step away from willing to kill me. If you punched me in the face and knocked me out, well, I can no longer protect myself. I'm vulnerable and you may kill me. So if you were willing to punch me in the face and knock me unconscious, that in my book could possibly be met with self-defense and deadly force. Maybe we need to start talking to everybody, having big campaigns that could be seen everywhere, definitely in schools by all children, all children of all races and all walks of life. And this campaign would be how to interact with the police in these situations. If you're in a car and you're speeding and you're pulled over, you should do X, Y, and Z. If you're walking down the street and a police officer stops you because they have had a dispatch of this kind of crime and you're in the area or you fit the description or they just want to check and see if you've seen something, you should do X, Y, and Z. And it could go along with learning our rights. You know, it would be a good thing for students to learn when a police officer can stop you and when they can't. What you have to give up when they stop you? Do you have to give your ID? Do you have to tell your name? Let people learn civics. Let people start to learn information about their rights and included in that, tell everybody how to interact with the police in various circumstances. When a police officer is upon you and says this, 
you should do this. This is going to increase your chances of not getting hurt or staying alive or or getting out of a situation without a ticket. You know, obviously, if you're speeding and the police officer pulls you over and you're a dick, you're probably going to get a ticket. If the police officer pulls you over and you're nice and polite and honest and upfront and answer questions, uh, you might still get a ticket. But chances are you might not. Okay. And uh, look, I'm just saying, and I know I'm going to get people who will say, this is because you're a white man. This is because you have the privilege of saying this white privilege. And this is systemic racism all dripping through what you're saying. But I'm, I'm being really serious when I'm saying, for example, the situation in Chicago where the police officer shot the 13-year-old that had the gun, that as he was spinning around to show his hands, the police officer could see a gun. He dumps the gun off behind the fence as he's spinning. Had he dumped the gun and raised his hands and kept his back to the officer, he wouldn't have been shot. But because he spun with the gun in his hand as he's dumping the gun off and the cop couldn't, I'm sure see that at the time that's why what happened happened and again if i was in that situation it would be tragic but i'm sure i would at least consider in that half of a second brain processing that i would do the same thing and while i have the microphone here and your attention you guys are listening and i'm on my soapbox i'll say something else that i believe could really help situations like this and could really help tensions in America. And that would be if, God forbid, an incident like this would occur, that when an incident occurs like that, that members from the Republicans and the Democrats, the left and the right, all the way from the local offices, city, county council, commissioners, mayors, up to the state level, governors and state representatives, state senators, up to U.S. congressmen and the president. If all of those people could keep their mouths shut about cases and incidents that they really have no business discussing during the early parts of an an investigation. Look, I'm not saying that here in America we shouldn't dissect police action shootings or other police uses of force. We absolutely should, and we all have First Amendment rights Even the idiots, look, I get it, okay, I understand, even idiots have a First Amendment right, but we should understand that we don't want to affect an investigation or affect a trial or cause anything bad to possibly happen, and I think that's what burns my ass the most because I feel like both parties do this. But specifically members of the left, members of the progressive Democrats, like to use situations like this to their benefit, which I think is gross. Besides being hurtful to the investigation or hurtful to victims, witnesses, or other cases or whatever, it's just gross. It's another form of, in my mind, doing what they say they're fighting against, using these people for their own gain. I guess in my, in my mind, can I say, is that a part of institutionalized, uh, systematic uh, racism? Because it sure feels like it. It feels like they're using these tragedies for their own political gains, and they don't realize how much 
of the situation they hurt. Or maybe they do realize it. Maybe they do. I mean, just talking about this Chauvin trial, this George George Floyd murder, uh, and this last past weekend before the jury got the case, a United States House of Representatives member from uh, California, Maxine Waters, is caught telling people in Minnesota, while she was in Minnesota, what's she doing in Minnesota? Go back to California and serve your people there. There are plenty of murders in California that you can get involved in. But because the TV crews were here and because it's political and because she can use it, she had her ass up in Minnesota making an ass of herself and running her mouth and saying shit she had no business saying. Telling the people that listen to her that they need to get more confrontational. Look, I don't have a problem with her saying we need to protest. We need to be loud. We need to be vocal. We need to vote. We need to tell people we want them to resign. We need to do this and that. I'm okay with that. But saying we need to get more confrontational, we mean business, that seems like a threat to the jury. I'll be honest, that, that's, that's really, really obscene in my opinion. And, and honestly, I don't know how it's not looked at very similar to inciting a crowd or trying to incite uh, a mob or, or a, a riot. Because keep in mind... It was Maxine Waters and other Democrats just back a couple months ago, all right, after January 6th, who wanted Donald Trump to be, I don't know, drawn and quartered, hung, chopped into pieces, uh, impeached, thrown out of office, and, and buried in the bottom of the sea for firing up a crowd and inciting an insurrection. Well, when the folks involved with protesting and then rioting and looting and burning and destructing whole cities all across America for an entire year are listening to Maxine Waters say, we need to get more confrontational, what do you think it's going to cause them to do? What do you think it's going to cause them to do? And and how much more confrontational do they need to get? So far, they've really only been burning buildings down and destroying whole cities. A couple police officers have been hurt, and there have been a couple murders, but it's not been mass amounts of murders all over in various cities. It's not just been like roving bands of people murdering just everybody they come in contact with. They haven't really been doing that yet, but... Will they off her orders? Is that what she's wanting to see? I mean, what does she mean when she says, get more confrontational? How much more confrontational can they get than burning down entire cities? Let's listen to this cut. We're looking for a guilty verdict. We're looking for a guilty verdict, and we're looking to see if all of the talk that took place and has been taking place after they saw what happened to George Floyd. If nothing does not happen, then we know uh, that we've got to not only stay in the street, 
that we have got to fight for justice. But I am very hopeful, and I hope uh, that we are going to get a verdict that say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we, got, we cannot go away. And not just manslaughter, right? I mean... Oh, no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is, this is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree. It's coming from what happens if we do not go get what you just told what should the people do what should protesters on the street do i didn't hear you what happens what should protesters do well we, we got to stay on the street uh and we've got to get more active we've got to get more confrontational we've got to make sure that they they know that we need business i just <clears throat> i don't know uh, listen i am perfectly okay with staying in the street Let's protest all day, every day, all night, every night. I'll be there with her. I'll be there with them. I'll lead the line if they want me to. I'll sit in the back of the line. They can carry me. I can carry them. Whatever they want, I'll do it. We can do it. We can fight for justice. I am there with her. I am absolutely there with her. I hear those words. I understand those words. When she says, get more confrontational... Okay, well, let's, let's, let's talk about that, okay? Realistically, realistically get more confrontational. I probably could have been okay with that in the past, but they've just spent the last three and a half months telling us that what Trump did during a speech that was like a stump speech was inciting an, an insurrection. So when she is speaking to a group of people that have been rioting for an entire year, and she says, get more confrontational? Isn't she doing the same damn thing? Don't we have to look at that a little bit differently now? I mean, used to, maybe we could have looked at that like it was political speech. But now, based off of their interpretation of those type of words, don't we have to apply the same standard to it? And then do you hear the part in there where she's saying, we want guilty, guilty, guilty. Oh, no, 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 we don't want manslaughter. What do you mean? Manslaughter is one of the actual charges that he was charged with. And we now know that the jury found him guilty of manslaughter along with unintentional murder and murder in the third degree, whatever the actual three charges were that I read off earlier. We understand that the jury found him guilty of all of those things. She didn't want him found guilty of manslaughter. That's one of his charges. You know, it makes sense that they would find him guilty of that or that she would want that along with the other two. No, no, she wants him to be found guilty of first degree murder. She says it's murder in the first degree. Well, I don't know if it's murder in the first degree, but it is to me. And then she's saying that in the same same sentence that she's saying that they need to get more confrontational if this doesn't go the way that they want it to go. So how can that be looked at. She's actually wanting him to be found guilty of something he can't be found guilty of because they don't just get to make it up as they go along. He was charged and under the law, he can only be found guilty of one, two, or three of those things. He could be found guilty of all of them. 
He could be found guilty of none of them. He could be found guilty of any mixing of the three. Or it could be a mistrial or a hung trial. And those are the options. That's what we want. We want the jury to go in there and do their jobs. We want the defense attorney to do their jobs. We want the prosecutors to do their jobs. And we want the judge to do his or her job. And when they all do that, then justice should prevail. And guess what? In this case, it did. But... Two days beforehand, three days beforehand, a sitting United States representative is on national TV making these dumbass claims, more or less threatening the jurors of this. Now, look, I get it. The jurors were told they shouldn't be reading news stories or watching news stories or looking on new line news stories. And, and they all said, okay, okay, we won't. Pfft. Look, the jury should have been sequestered. Juries should be sequestered. I get it. But for whatever reason, in this case, they weren't. And hopefully they did the right thing. But what does everybody out there believe? You believe that every single one of them didn't peak somewhere online? You mean for, for three weeks they didn't get on social media? This is all that has covered social media. There's no way that at least one or two of them didn't hear and see this and take it back to everybody else or have that in mind. And you have to ask, what kind of thought process the, the, the jury goes through when they hear something this asinine? You know, it's, it's just absolutely nuts. And, and what I absolutely love about this is the judge in the case slams Representative Maxine Waters and others for doing just this same thing. Let's listen to that. I'm aware of the media reports. I'm aware that Congresswoman Waters was talking specifically about this trial and about the unacceptability of uh, anything less than a murder conviction and talk about being confrontational, but you can submit the press articles about that. This goes back to what I've been saying from the beginning. I wish elected officials would stop talking about this case, especially in a manner that is disrespectful to the rule of law and to the judicial branch and our function. I think if they want to give their opinions, they should do so in a respectful and in a manner that is consistent with their oath to the Constitution, to respect a co-equal branch of government. Their failure to do so, I think, is abhorrent, but I don't think it has prejudiced us with additional uh, material that would prejudice this jury. They have been told not to watch the news. I trust they are following those instructions and that there is not in any way uh, a prejudice to the defendant beyond the articles that we're talking specifically about the facts of this case. All right, so the judge stated there he didn't feel like it was enough to cause a mistrial. Obviously, he didn't feel like it was an issue. He goes on a little bit more. Uh, but he did say 
that this could definitely bring up issues in which the defense attorney could appeal the court's ruling. And look, any other judge could have said, yes, this is cause for a mistrial. Again, the jury should have been sequestered. I feel that strongly about juries in many cases all over, cases that are televised, cases that aren't televised. The courts should start using that more than they currently do. I don't know why or when we got away from that, but uh, I feel like it is it is a tool that is is not being used, and it should be. I feel like it might be a cost-saving issue. They don't want to put everybody up in a hotel, but think about how much it's going to cost when it causes a mistrial and you have to repeat a three-week-long trial. Now, again, this judge didn't think that it would cause that. Great. Any other judge may have ruled that it would have, and that's why these politicians need to shut the hell up. I, I like that he said that you know her behavior and others was abhorrent, and, and I'm glad that he said that, as he should have. He should have been a lot more angry, and what he said was right. And what Representative Maxine Waters and others are doing when they are dissecting the case and dissecting the incidents sometimes before the investigation is even wrapped up, sometimes before everybody's even notified. I mean, it's like they're like, they're kind of like the old uh, ambulance chasing attorneys who would be there before the police, fire, and EMS were even on scene. Somehow they could get there at the scene of an accident before any emergency services would be there. It's disgusting. Now it's like anytime there's an incident like this, the left politicians come out of the woodwork quickly and they're there and on scene and they've got statements ready and, and they're saying all of this stuff. That shouldn't be happening. These situations, these incidents, these cases shouldn't be done this way. They also shouldn't be dissected before all of the facts come out. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. Whether those facts come out in a courtroom or not. Right. I mean, I'm I've been scrolling Facebook and apparently there's been a police action shooting in Columbus, you know, within the last, you know, hours. Really. And a young girl has been killed by police and there's already, you know, people in the streets in Columbus because Columbus, Indiana? Uh or Columbus, Ohio. I believe it's Columbus, Ohio, but um, there's already people in the streets because, you know, immediately that officer is guilty immediately. Yeah. I, I get that when you see, you know, the headline young girl taken in police action shooting, that's not, you know, your usual headline. That's, it's surprising. Well, how old is she? I mean, when you're saying young girl, what I mean, how, how old does it say? How old she is? Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay, that is young. Uh, that's young, right? That that is absolutely young. But at the same time, younger people than that have killed people before. But right? it is also like, and I've not read anything. I know nothing. Right. About this shooting i know i literally know nothing which is exactly how much everybody else knows about it currently but yet members of the left will start 
commenting and releasing press releases any minute now. The headline that says 15-year-old girl killed in a police action shooting in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm seeing videos of people in the streets in Columbus. Obviously, I don't have the sound on, but a 15-year-old girl, like, when I was 15, (laughs) I was the size of an adult. I was not the size of a child. I would have been perfectly capable at that age of being a threat to someone else. I was pretty self-sufficient other than the fact that I could not drive myself to and from school. I decided what I was, like where I was going, who I was hanging out with, when I was gonna do my homework, what I was gonna wear. I got myself up, I got myself ready. I made sure that I had shit done. I also walked both ways uphill in the cold and snow, barefoot. You no. probably did, because <laughs> you were 15, like 45 years before I was 15. But no, you're, you're yeah, um, but you are right about that. But you, I mean, you get what I'm, yeah, you get what I'm yep, saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, a 15-year-old yep. with a weapon, notice I didn't just say gun. Right, no. Nope. A 15-year-old with a weapon is perfectly capable of killing or severely hurting yeah. an adult right just think about when you when you were an officer i know how many calls my husband gets regarding this but how many how many uh, calls did you take uh, where a kid 13 14 15 16 whatever beat the shit out of their parents oh yeah 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 it happens a lot all the time all the time well and the thing is what people don't realize is about i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of interrupt you uh-huh just because I'm so I'm watching this video, like literally right now, live video in Columbus. The the group is marching down the street holding signs that are like basically the size and shape of a, a shield, like a, oh, yeah, a shield okay. that yes, an officer yes. uh-huh. would carry. Yeah. And their their arms like go through the sign. I'm trying to, to give a good visual here here. Okay. And each each sign is a word. So each human standing behind the sign is holding one word. And it says the whole damn system is guilty as hell. Okay, yeah, okay. You think that five hours ago. Uh, so, so that's my question. If the, if it's if the whole damn system is guilty as hell, then it's guilty. You can't have it both ways. Right. And this, this shooting literally happened since the guilty verdict came out. So within the last five hours, this shooting in Columbus happened, which is, I mean, it's not even enough time for the people on the scene to have all of the facts sure much less for the general public that's what gets me like what is going to be enough uh, right you know and I'll, I'll be honest though i think they're kind of saying that same thing i think that's what they're saying with that sign because with that sign and, and in their thoughts they're not talking about individual acts or individual incidents or or individual racism even they're talking about the whole system the systematic racism within the world that we live in and that's what they're hoping to blow up and rearrange all right ladies and gentlemen we do need to take one more quick break here you're listening to the 151st episode of perception is reality amber and i'll be right back
Hey folks, are you looking for a new tattoo or body piercing? Well then you're going to want to check out my friends at Abandon All Hope Tattoo and Body Piercing. They are located at 1716 North Wheeling Avenue, Suite 1 in Muncie, Indiana. You can call them on the phone at 765-896-8985 or visit them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Abandon All Hope Tattoo. Check them out today and tell them Perception is Reality sent you. Perception. Perception is. You're out of order. This whole place is out of order. This is a joke. Reality. Reality. All right, folks, it's good to be back, and it's good to be heard by you, your hosts here, Christopher Bilbury and Amber Green. We are plugging right along through this 151st episode of Perception is Reality. We are, of course, talking about the verdict in the state of Minnesota versus Derek Michael Chauvin, the former police officer who killed George Floyd back in May of 2020. The jury concluded with its verdict just a few hours ago. Obviously, we are recording this on Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. Depending on when you're listening to it, that gives you a little bit of frame of reference. Uh, So we're recording this just three or four hours after the uh, jury verdicts have been read. We've been talking about this, um, what this means for America, what this means for Minnesota, obviously. And we've been talking about at least trying to open up a level of conversation. We've been trying to talk about how we move forward to ensure that this isn't happening and how we can deal with this as individuals. We are we are on opposite sides, it seems like. I don't know what's made that division. I certainly don't want to be on opposite sides. I, I want to come together, and I, I, I know so many people want to. I don't want anyone to be hurt or harmed. Uh, you know, I want the police to be able to do their jobs. And, you know, it's a tragic situation. Anytime there is a use of force scenario, specifically if it requires deadly force, but it's a fact of life that that does happen. When it happens, we need to be able to talk about it. We need to be able to dissect the situation, but we need to be able to do that in a respectful manner and meaning a respectful to the rule of law. Uh, I don't necessarily mean respectful to the police or respectful to the victim or respectful to anybody other than the rule of law. We need to be able to do it in such a manner that we're not causing more chaos and more division, okay? That's very, very important. Uh, Obviously, as we're all aware, Amber just brought it to our attention a little bit ago that during the recording of this episode, she became aware of the fact that there was yet again another police action shooting in Columbus, Ohio, that the Columbus City Police Department uh, apparently received a call and that something occurred and a 15 or 16-year-old female black uh, was shot and we're hearing that she was killed. There are people who are taking to the streets to protest in Columbus already and, and I'm hoping that cooler heads prevail and that we are at least allowed to... Um, 
get preliminary investigative information before anything seriously crazy or dangerous occurs. You know, during the break, I was able to get just some peripheral information. It appears as though there was some kind of a disturbance and that the police were called upon a police officer's arrival. He was met with several subjects, One of these individuals was a female uh, who is a black female, and she had a knife. And that during the uh, encounter, she apparently lunged and uh, tried to hurt, cut, stab, uh, maim another person on scene. And the police officer had to make a split-second decision to use force. It turns out that force was deadly force, and so that's a horrible situation. Uh, He certainly didn't want that. I I would have to think, you know, time will tell. Maybe we'll find out differently, but I'm not going to assume one way or another until we find that out. Until then, I will say my thoughts and my prayers are with him. My thoughts and my prayers are with the female. Uh, My thoughts and prayers are definitely with her family, the officer's family, all officers in the Columbus, Ohio Police Department, obviously everybody in that city, the protesters, the citizens that are just living their lives. Uh, My thoughts and prayers go out to the state of Ohio and to all of us here in the nation. We need prayer now more than ever, and we need to pray for cooler heads to prevail. And I hope that we are praying for a complete investigation to show us a picture so we'll know what happened here and we can know if this is something that we need to, you know, fight about this or if this is, you know, just a a senseless tragedy that didn't have to occur, but it did and everything was done uh, according to law and according to the duty of of the police officers who were involved with this. So, uh, unfortunately, that's terrible, terrible situation there, and uh, my, my heart breaks for all involved. Of course, it just goes right in line with what we're talking about. Of course, before the break, Amber and I were talking about some of the protesters who are in Columbus. They're carrying signs, uh, and I want to say this for the record— I stand with anybody that wants to protest anywhere, Columbus or any place. If you want to peacefully protest, if you want to engage in civil discourse or even civil disobedience, I am with you, okay? Now, the moment that it crosses into a riot or into an attempted revolution uh, or some kind of insurgency or, or incitement or insurrection, you know, as we said earlier in the program, the founding fathers, and I think it was Thomas Jefferson specifically said that this country needs a revolution every 10 to 12 years. Now, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that, but they thought about that quite frequently. Uh, so saying, you know, we need a revolution or, or this is a revolution, people always look down at that. And I have to say, we don't need to look down at it. We just need to investigate every angle of it. If it's, if it's come to a time where something like that is needed, then, okay, let's take a look at what's going on and, and let's move forward in, in a way that is intelligent. Let's not just haphazardly go out 
causing destruction and death for no real reason. And I'm not saying that <clears throat> perceived racism or racism or systematic racism or individual racism isn't a reason. I'm just simply saying if this is a situation where there was a police officer acting according to the law and according to his his duty as an officer and everything is above board here, then we don't need to be burning anything down or going crazy. If somebody wants to stand in the street and demand X, Y, or Z, I'm with them on that. If this officer is racist and went out into the world to shoot and kill this black female, then okay, maybe we need to look at what's going on there. But we need those facts, and we don't have those facts two to three hours after the shooting. You'll never have them, and that's what we all need to keep in mind. Now, talking about systematic racism, and I saw this tweet from Senator Bernie Sanders, and I'm going to read it now. The jury's verdict delivers accountability for Derek Chauvin but not justice for George Floyd. Real justice for him and too many others can only happen when we build a nation that fundamentally respects the human dignity of every person. Okay, I, I agree. Well, so I agree with the back half of that. We need to build a nation that fundamentally respects the human dignity of every person. And that means we all need to respect each other. We do need that. I do agree with that. I think that that needs to happen. In that nation where we fundamentally respect every human and the dignity of every person... What happens when a crime occurs and the suspect is a minority, is a member of the black community or a person of color, and the police officer is a white man? What happens then? What happens when a fight ensues or force needs to be used and the suspect is shot? What happens when that suspect is carrying a weapon? What happens when that weapon is a gun? What happens when that weapon is a knife? What happens when the suspect has no weapons in his hand but or her hand and is acting in a way that is violent towards the officer or others and is physically attacking the officer or others with their hands and fists. Obviously, you could strangle somebody. You, you could beat somebody to death with your fists. And for example, the Michael Brown officer Darren Wilson situation, you know, there in that case, that 18-year-old Michael Brown was physically attacking the police officer and with his fists broke his orbital socket. And then sometime after that, Officer Wilson was able to use force and was able to stop the attack at that time. But what happens in this future, in this world, where we all respect one another and we show dignity to one another and an incident like this occurs. That's maybe these questions will be seen as horrible by people on the other side of this thing. 
but they have to understand I'm just asking questions. I'm just putting information out here so we can have a dialogue. I'm looking for answers, and I'm looking for them to tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. If you're listening to this and you think that I'm wrong for what I'm saying, let me know. You can message me at khbilbury at gmail.com. If you want to come on the show and talk with us, you're more than welcome to do that. But I'm not looking to be patronizing. I'm not looking to be condescending. I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm simply trying to have a conversation. And if you feel that you agree, let us know. If you disagree, let us know. All right, Amber, talking about a couple different situations just to get more information out here. Uh, you know, there's the situation we talked about Brianna Taylor, but not in great detail. The officers were shooting blindly into the apartment. I, I, we're not getting all into that situation, but that seems stupid. I can't believe something didn't occur there. I can't believe there wasn't some kind of law that they broke. And I do understand why it looks bad in that situation. And I still, I still think that something should happen, maybe on a federal level, maybe on a civil suit uh, manner. I, I don't really know, but I, that seems like a situation in which the officers were quite in the wrong. Um, moving on, there was one here not too long ago. Also, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, the home of the George Floyd, Derek Chauvin situation, uh, where a female officer arrived on a traffic stop and got confrontational with a suspect that other officers were kind of confrontational with, but it started escalating when this female arrived and she pulled out her taser to tase him and instead it was her Glock, and she shot him. Now, that is absolutely crazy to me, because the Glock handgun, or any handgun, a Beretta, a revolver, uh, any kind of handgun you could possibly think of, a Taurus, uh, or, or, or uh, a Smith & Wesson, feels drastically different than a Taser. The Taser was made... To not feel like your gun, it's not smooth and fits in the hand well and comfortable. It is cumbersome. It feels like a block. It feels like a big Lego. It is brightly colored, yellow or orange or green, and it's supposed to be on the opposite side of your belt so this mistake cannot happen. Are you familiar with oh, the, yes. the, the new thing? And if you, Yes, and that one... She fucked that entire situation up from start to finish. If she would have just stayed in her car, which I will not usually say, I know that was a hashtag, you know, a couple years ago, but she was not the initial responding officer on scene. She was not even the second officer on scene. She pulled up and immediately escalated that situation, which escalated herself. Yep. Which is why she was so flustered to the point that she grabs her gun instead of a taser. Uh, yeah. She, like watching that. And I am all about, I mean, you're, you're talking to a female right now. I am all about women in law enforcement. Women can do that job just as well as men. And in some cases even better, but she, I don't know. I don't know if she'd had a bad day and I'm not, this is not an excuse, but she rolled up on that scene 
and felt the need to get sassy immediately. Because if you watch that, the cop cuffing him says kind of quietly. I mean, it's body cam footage, so you don't know how loud they were actually being. Right. But he says relatively quietly, you're under arrest. And the guy goes, why? And he, I mean, he, he says it assertively, like you can tell sure. he's pissed. And she goes, you're under arrest. Like, no, bitch. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. No, <clears throat> you was not your place to answer that question. First of all, it was not your place to come running up from your vehicle behind the suspect who is already almost cuffed. Like if she would have just kept her mouth shut, they would have been able to get him cuffed. But her opening her mouth, this is before she even touches a weapon, her opening her mouth caught both the other officer who was attempting to detain him and the suspect off guard. And you can visibly see it in the video. Even if you are not listening to audio, you can see both the officer and the suspect perk up and look in her direction. Why is she doing this? Well, I tell you, and this is one that's going to have to be looked at, and it's a good example of what I've been saying in the George Floyd, Derek Chauvin situation. You know, the policing world and the military world are both worlds in which they are looking for people who can come aboard and can be easily molded how they want you to be. They want you to behave a certain way. They want you to be willing to act how they tell you to act. You need to be able to follow orders, listen to superior officers, and do as you're told. And not really be a free thinker, but at the same time, and it's like an you know, kind of a catch-22, they also want you to be a bit of a, th a free thinker, and they want you to have that inquisitive, investigative mind. It's what makes good detectives over good patrolmen. You know, there's definitely two different types of officers there. But besides that, you know, as a police officer or as someone in the military, you need to be able to, to do what you're told when a superior officer or an officer with more time and experience tells you something and gives you an order. However, you need to have enough leadership quality and enough wherewithal inside you that if you're told something that doesn't sound right, you should be able to say, wait a minute, mm, this doesn't sound exactly right, and you should be able to say, hey, I'm not going to do this. Or if you're on a scene and you have a superior officer who is just absolutely out of line, or maybe it's an officer of the same rank but has more time on than you, and you're witnessing them doing something wrong, violating someone's rights, behaving in a way that's putting people's lives in danger, like Derek Chauvin, like this female then you, even as the junior officer, need to be able to say, hey, you need to take a couple steps back or whatever. And now look, it might get your ass chewed out at the scene, but in the end, you're going to be in a favorable position because of that. Because we, we, you know, we saw this in the Derek Chauvin situation. They had three officers on top of George Floyd, and one of the officers was a veteran of the police department, Derek Chauvin. 
The other two officers had less than like six weeks on the department, so they were all relatively new. One of them brings up the idea of turning him over, and Derek Chauvin says, no, stay where you are. That cop should have said, no, I want to make sure that he's okay. Let's flip him another way. Or he should have stood up. He should have done something. He should have radioed for a supervisor or done something to intervene there. That would have been what a true definition of a kick-ass police officer is like and the same goes for the military in this situation these other officers one or both of them should have backed her off you know i've been in this situation uh both as the new guy and as the old guy i've been the trainee and i've been the field training officer and i don't care if you're a patrolman with six months on. I don't care if you're a patrolman with six days on. I don't care if you're a patrolman with 26 years on. If you're a sergeant, if you're a lieutenant, if it's the chief of the department, if it's a detective, I don't care what the deal is. You could be the FTO or the FNG. The FN new guy is what that means for people that aren't police or military. If someone is acting in a way that is breaking the oath that you took and that they took, you have an obligation to do differently. And the officers that didn't stop Derek Chauvin failed. The officers that didn't stop this maniac woman failed. Okay, I have said famously since the beginning of the George Floyd situation, I don't care if I was brand new on, I don't care if I was a citizen, watching what Derek Chauvin did to George Floyd at the risk of going to jail myself, whether I was an officer or someone else, at the risk of being fired, at the risk of injury to myself, I would have attempted at least to stop Chauvin from continuing to suffocate George Floyd. I know he had fentanyl in his system. I know he had all of these things wrong. Guess what? Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd. Okay? The officers with this female cop needed to tell her to back the hell off. At the end of the day, all of these are just individual situations in case-by-case basises. What the problem is, is the folks that say we're dealing with systematic racism and it's not going to be enough until we have totally eradicated systematic racism in every form. The problem is, I don't know how to get there. I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to have the conversation. Let's talk about how to get there. How do we get there? How do we move forward? That's I, I have the same question. I think most people would agree, including myself, I'm going to assume you too, that that's not our question to answer either. Whose question is it to answer? It's the people that are, you know, are saying that... That there's a problem. Yeah. So this is like, this is like being an alcoholic. The first step is to admit there's a problem. 
So let me ask you this. Do you think there's anybody in America who's saying everything is grand right now? Man, America's never looked more beautiful. Everything is wonderful. Or do we all see there's an issue and we all want to fix it? I mean, you know, I'm speechless. Both sides need to be able to admit that there's issues. I worry that there is not going to be accountability from the other side. Should police officers or anyone be killing people because of their race? No, absolutely not. Right. I don't think that's an argument. At least it's not an argument for me. But when they say, well, why are cops coming in contact with people of color more often? Answer me that. Why are they? Why are they? Why is there a 13 year old that was killed by Chicago police? One with a gun, you know, in Chicago's gun free zone. And two at what? Three o'clock in the freaking morning. Like, like why? No, no. That's a tough one. That one is a tough one. I mean, it comes back to the family values in the household and and what is looked at as okay and not okay. And of course, playing devil's advocate here, the other side says we created that through systematic racism. So, you know, I don't... I, I'm, I'm trying to look for solutions rather than continued... Uh, problems and, and continued, you know, it's all downhill from here. I'm trying to look for for the way that we can can see some daylight. But I, I mean, you brought up a good point because in at the end of the day, who's responsible for a 13 year old Hispanic boy being out at two o'clock in the morning with a 45 year old member of the Latin Kings? You know. Where is the something put in place to stop that from happening? You know what I mean? Like, where are the factors that say, huh, this is probably not a good idea? Okay, look, I get it. Maybe there's not a father in the household. Maybe there's not a mother. I, I, I Look, I, I know that I'm going to be accused of being very short-sighted on that question right there, all right? And I'm not. I'm posing philosophical questions so that we can talk, so that someone can come back to me and say, look, dude, you don't get it. You're blind here. The, The problem is that the mother's out working three jobs because of minimum wage, blah, blah. Let's just start a conversation, all right? Let's start a conversation. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just wanting to understand because, listen, you can find, all right, for every person out there screaming this, that, or the other, I can find a political commentator that is a minority, that is a person of color, that is a black man who says very clearly that the problems in the minority communities start because of a lack of family values and that there is no one to blame 
other than the members in that minority community, that they don't place that blame on systematic racism or on the, the white man or on this or that. And now what the other side says when that person says that, that black man says that on a podcast or a radio show or on national TV, the first thing that's said is, well, that person's carrying the water for all of these white guys. That person doesn't know. He's ignorant. He hasn't been uh, taught. He's only been taught what the white man wants to teach him, and so he doesn't realize. And And then I hear that, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Isn't that just as bad to say that we as white people know better than this black man that's talking? Why can't his truth be his truth? You know, I feel like what lacks in a lot of this, and you might have said this early on, is personal accountability. You know, before we can all start taking care of the greater good, I think the first thing that we need to do is we all need to start taking care of ourselves in our own bodies, our, you know, maybe then our loved ones, and we need to really start looking towards that personal responsibility and, and grabbing a hold of that. And once we have a firm grasp on that, then we can start taking care of the person down the street, the person 600 miles away, the person across the country. You know, we can then take care of everybody, but it first has to start at home. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's it and that's that. Getting back to this situation in Chicago with this 13-year-old Hispanic boy, uh, the big question that I've been seeing is, would this same thing have happened had the boy not been Hispanic, but rather had he been white? And the answer, in my opinion, is a resounding, absolute, 100% yes. You know, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, the heart is pounding, you're on a call of shots fired, you're running after a suspect that possibly you've seen he's had a gun, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, I don't know, and... I'm telling you, you couldn't tell if that person was Hispanic or white in that split second. If you were staring at him for five or ten minutes, yeah, maybe, probably, absolutely. But while all of that's going on, you have to understand, if the suspect's fine motor skills are gone, so are the cops. How would you answer that, Amber? If if the kid was white, would the same thing have occurred? Oh, absolutely. Because in that video, that kid, from all outward appearances, looks pretty light-skinned. Yeah. You were talking earlier about Monday morning quarterback and the cops. Put anybody else in that situation. I mean, hell, put another gangbanger in that situation. <laughs> right. If you are drug deal gone bad and this kid starts running after you or you start running after him and you realize he has a gun, are you going to be like, oh, sorry, bro. I think you dropped it. So we're cool. Absolutely not. That's that's a pretty good point. Yeah, they're they're going to just shoot him in the back and be done with it. That's yeah. what blows my mind. Like nobody, nobody wants to take into account what what they would do. Well, or or they they over they over give themselves like I would know, you know, in this moment where my heart is beating 150 beats a minute, 
and I'm scared shitless. And people say, well, you're the police. You're not supposed to be scared. Bullshit. I mean, it's crazy. I don't know anybody in their right mind who wouldn't be nervous pissing their pants in that situation. I mean, if you're not scared in that situation, something is wrong with you. Honestly, if you're not scared in a situation like that, you're probably a psychopath or sociopath, and you have no business being on the department at that point. So, I mean, we've been talking for quite some time, and look, we could talk for the next 10 years on just the... George Floyd case, not to mention the various other aspects or covering racism as a whole. We could we could talk for the rest of eternity. Perception is reality could be solely a racism show talking about the <clears throat> various aspects of all of that. So we're going to have to try to wrap it up here in a short minute, but I, I do want to say this. I, I hope that we can have more episodes like this. I hope that we can look at various aspects of, of this, of police use of force issues, of issues within the minority uh, communities and, and the people of color communities. I would love, 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 love to talk to a listener on the show, a debate, uh, 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 a... <clears throat> I, I'm not debating anybody, but you know, you know what I mean. If you want to debate our our points or what we've talked about here, please reach out to us. 765-546-9796 is the studio number, or you can email me at khbilbury at gmail.com. Please get a hold of us and let us know if you're interested in coming on the show. We would love to talk to you. But... <clears throat> I think in, in a way to try to wrap this up, uh, like I said, I hope to talk about this. I don't necessarily know if we're going to revisit it next episode or not, but I do want to maybe do this in a series of episodes where we reopen this and, and talk about it from different angles. But maybe one way that we can start to approach trying to do better and trying to remove the systematic racism from our lives, <clears throat> excuse me, is by the, the level of respect, okay? I, I feel like, I don't know how people dole out respect to various people. Meaning, when you wake up and you meet strangers or you meet people that you know, you know, I don't know what your process of showing respect to those people throughout your day is. I try to give a baseline level of respect to everybody. I try to give a baseline level of respect, and it's a large amount of respect. I mean, I, I, I am someone who says, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I, I always try to help somebody if they're in need. <clears throat> I do what I can to be a good person. I have a, a heart for service, a servant's heart. I have my entire life. Uh, and that's part of what this show is about. Um, so I do what I can to show respect to 
everybody that I come in contact with, whether I know them or not, whether they are of my gender, my sex, my race, you know, it does not matter to me. I do what I can. I'm not somebody who says I don't see race. I do see race. They don't want people to not see race. They want us to see it, to love it, to respect it, and to allow them to prosper. And I get every bit of that. But I would be lying if I didn't say I show respect differently to different folks, obviously. You know, everybody's going to do that if they're being honest. Uh, You know, someone that you just met as a stranger that's over here, you're going to give them a little bit lower baseline level of respect than than what you would your, your dad's best friend of 35 years that you've known all of your life. Okay. <clears throat> so I guess what I mean by that is I, that's how I try to live life. And if there are people out there that don't, maybe, maybe that's what we need to work on along with teaching kids how to interact with police and, and, <clears throat> you know, various aspects of family values. And, and all, all of this is as relevant in white homes as it is in the black community, the Hispanic community, the Muslim community, the Asian community, you know? And I just, I don't know. That's how I try to approach treating people with dignity and, and treating them respectfully. Um, obviously I don't give everybody that I first meet, you know, the most amount of respect that I have. That is not how it works. I think that respect has to be earned and, and, and that is very true in my, in my worldview, but to be able to give people that you don't know, at least a baseline level of respect, maybe that's a good place to start. That kind of goes back to that Bernie quote that you said earlier. I, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was something to the effect of respecting their human dignity. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? Yeah. There's a difference between respecting the fact that I, I have fellow humans amongst me and respecting the fact that as a fellow human, you have certain rights. There's a difference between that and respecting you as a person. Once you prove to me that you are not worthy of my respect for whatever reason, there are a multitude of reasons that I would not respect you. You are not granted that respect automatically. Should your life still be respected? The fact that you are a living, breathing human being who still deserves, you know, life sustaining measures in most cases. Yes. But you that's that's one of the i wanted to hit on that earlier and that's kind of why i paused to to see how this would evolve yeah respect is not it's not a right and i think that is where america is is trying to head i think that's where these these loud you know the louder groups are i think that's what they're trying to get you to believe is that everyone deserves respect you will never convince me of that just like i don't on the same token just to clear this up for anybody that's getting their panties in a bunch right now i don't believe that i automatically deserve respect i live i live my life 
and handle myself so that I can earn respect from the people that I interact with. Right. But I don't ever believe that I deserve it for, for literally just, you know, sitting like a potato on this recliner right now and breathing. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Well, uh, look, I, I can tell you, um, this has been a long episode. I hope that the listener, I hope that you are thinking about these things that we are saying. I, I hope that you are formulating something in your own mind. And if you agree with us, great. If you disagree with us, let us know. Uh, I, I can tell you, I feel like we all need to work to give people at least a baseline level of respect. I feel like a lot of places that is gone. Uh, but I can also tell you that this is something that we're going to have to do ourselves. We are really going to have to stop looking to the government and to the media. Uh, if, you, if you watch what's going on on network TV news, if you watch any of those channels for any length of time at all, and then flip to one of the other channels, like watch Fox News for 20 minutes, and then watch CNN for 20 minutes, and then watch MSNBC for 20 minutes, and, and what you're going to have is an hour full of just complete shit. I mean, that's, that's what that's going to be. Uh, and then I, I apologize for telling you to, to watch that. You'll be mad at me, and it'll be my fault. Uh, no, listen, don't watch it, and I'll go ahead and tell you here. See, you don't have to watch it. I do, so I can tell you uh, the horribleness. And, and it's not like anything that you don't know. You're aware that they are poisoning our minds. You're aware that CNN and MSNBC sucks. Well, let me tell you people something. So does Fox News, okay? So does everything that we're seeing on social media. So does all of this. This is not the political engagement that I'm talking about. Watching what's happening on these network platforms that are, are not news anymore. It's not journalism. It's it's activism it's hacktivism it's political uh it's 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 just another wing of various political parties and political action committees and 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 various uh think tanks that are trying to push on you their party's belief or their boss's belief you know whoever it is that's pulling the strings behind the scenes and it's not doing anything it's not helping you you're not getting any information what you need to be doing is you need to be listening to podcasts like this. You need to be listening to uh, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey and Amber Green. You need to be listening to Liberty is Essential with uh, Donald Rainwater. You need to be listening to various other podcasts that you will pick and choose uh, of your own accord. You need to be reading. You need to be reading some newspapers... You need to be reading some political journals or, or various articles there, and you're going to have to do the work to search that out. Let's be very clear here. Let's be very clear. The politicians are only coming to tell you what they want you to know. So if it's beneficial for the Democrats to have systematic racism in place, 
and never defeat that so that they can keep the people of color and the minorities in in, in a constant state of agitation and, and, and keep the white people in a constant state of agitation. That's what they're going to do. If, if Fox News, you know, derives its power from keeping the conservative groups uh, at this certain level of agitation because they believe that, you know, the illegal immigrants are coming to take over the country and, and all of this, then that's what they're going to continue doing. And, and the political... The political people, okay, the elected officials, all right, they're no different. All they care about is keeping their power, maintaining their power. Now, there are a few elected officials, few and far between, that are trying to do the right thing. But let's be very clear. Them by themselves are not going to force the government to come pick you up and save you. The government is not coming to save us. You need to continue to say that mantra over and over and over and over to yourself. We have to do this on our own. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's the war on drugs, quote-unquote. It doesn't matter if it's racism. It doesn't matter if it's police brutality. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's freedom, if it's liberty, the government, the political people, it's not in their makeup to come and help us out. We are going to have to do this on our own. And I think we can. I think that we have it in us. I have faith in the American population. I don't feel like a lot of people do. I have faith in us. And I'm going to ask you to have some faith too. I can tell you right now, if y'all are waiting on the government to give it to you, that's just stupid. The government at, is I mean, not coming to save anybody. That's one of the things that really pisses me off that this has become so politicized. Because please show me, Maxine Waters, what has the government done to ease tensions and deliver justice or to improve racism? They have done absolutely nothing except <clears throat> use it as a platform to secure votes and get themselves rich and make stupid statements on the record while they're sitting in their seven million dollar Beverly Hills mansion. That is what they are doing. So so saying that you need to call to action the government, you might as well be calling to action the Smurfs because you're not gonna get anything. The Smurfs might help you faster. Well, I think this is just about where we're going to have to leave this for now. I know we tried to solve it within this episode 151, and I know that we are pretty damn good, but we're not that good. So I feel like this is going to take at least another couple episodes before we can get it really in gear where it should be. And I want to thank you, my friends, the listeners here, for bearing with us, for giving us this amount of time, for listening until the end, because we've covered some really important information in this episode. I hope that we've made you think. I hope there have been aspects of this that you have agreed with. I hope there have been aspects of this that you've disagreed with. I hope it's really challenged you and made you think outside of your comfort zone. And I really hope, and I hope, 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 if you have thought about something that you really agree with us about, 
or if you thought about something that you really disagree with us about. I hope that you give us a call, you give us an email, you hit us up on Facebook. You can call the studio number or text the studio number at 765-546-9796. You can send me an email or or Amber an email at K-H Bilbrey, that's K-H-B-I-L-B-R-E-Y at gmail.com. Or you can also message Amber or I at Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook. That's Christopher with a K. Or the easiest way is to go to facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318. Please reach out, contact us, and let us know your thoughts, specifically if you're interested in being on an episode to discuss any of this. Amber, tell them where they can get a hold of you at. You can find me on Facebook at Amber Green. Green has an E at the end. And you can also find my business page on Facebook at A Touch of Green. Still with that E at the end. Onlyfans.com. You wish, uh, Bill Brady, you wish. And uh, that's going to do it for us. Be sure to share the show with everyone you know. Remind them we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. Also, don't forget to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318. Until next time, remember the importance of education and getting active and involved. You guys be safe and be kind to one another, all right? That's very, very important. God bless, and we'll look forward to talking to you all again real soon. See you later. Bye. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Remember to like and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm or on your favorite podcast hosting site. Also, help spread the word and share the show with everyone you know. We can be found by searching for Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey or by simply Googling Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. To call or text the show, dial 765-546-9796 or email us at khbilbrey at gmail.com. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash bilbrey318. Until next time, remember to get educated, get involved, and remain active.